even though we are under the two guys gaming banner and we're technically called two generations gaming this is one guy reading whether you meant to or not you found noobs book club i'm sean noob of all trades from two generations gaming in this series i'm reading and reacting to dragons of deceit the new margaret weiss and tracy hickman book from the Dragonlance series we were off for longer than i had hoped i kept trying to record and things got in the way I mentioned in the article for this that we have a lot of things going on. We have two kids in play. We have a kid in soccer. We have a kid with a job. And we have a kid in scouts. And now we're currently down one car because my muffler pipe split. So I've been running around like a crazy person all week trying to get people where they need to go. And I just haven't been able to sit down and record. In spite of all that, I sat down while Aiden played soccer yesterday and came up with a plan to finish this week so that I can get to Ready Player One, which I will explain at the end of this episode. And now for chapter 30, chapter 31, and chapter 32. Chapter 30. Dalimar leaves Ungar to rot, as I said last episode. He contemplates telling Jesterius, the head of mages, but decides he needs to get more information. He covers the loose end of Ungar's shop, by sending one of his fellow black-robed mages to watch for anyone with information on the Grey Gem or time-traveling device. He travels by portal to the Inn of the Last Home. When he enters, several elves leave because they are offended by his black robes. Karaman notices the commotion and greets his old friend. Dalimar asks to talk to Taz. Karaman directs him to Tika and uses the opportunity to announce the birth of his son. They catch up as Karaman leads him to their home. Tika flips her lid over him, bringing a guest at such a delicate time. She quickly changes her tune when she sees it's Dalimar. She offers wine. He declines, saying that he can't stay. Karaman breaks the news that he comes to ask after Taz. She puts their older son down for a nap and comes back to talk. She confirms that Destina came asking about the device, tells Dalimar about Mari, and that Destina possessed the Grey Gem. When she describes the setting of the gem, Dalimar immediately recognizes it as Rourke's work. They wrap up the conversation. Tika and Karaman discuss Dalimar's motives and decide to ask Tanis to get his help in the matter. Dalimar returns to his tower. He goes to the top to a room that he added, the Chamber of the Three Moons, and that only he has access. The decor consists of an altar and candles in black, white, and red. After he lights the candles and kneels before the altar, the three gods of magic appear and asks the reason for their summons. He tells them that the Grey Gem was found. They confirm that the gods were unaware of the development. As they are children of the main head leader, I'm not sure what to say there, gods, they all say that none of their parents spoke to them about it. And they agree, once they come to the conclusion that Rorks is involved, that they need to do some searching and find the god of the forge. Lunatari, who Rorks made the gem for, volunteers to undertake the mission. Initially, she can't find him, but then she does find him in hiding. She threatens him. He lies. Then he breaks and tells her the truth. She relays all of the information to her siblings and Dalmar. They give Rourke's credit for understanding that the knowledge of the Grey Gem being free would start 
an all-out war among the gods. Yet, allowing a damaged gem seeping chaos all over the world cannot stand either. And so, they must find her and try to retrieve the gem. Now, in addition to everything else, we have three lesser gods thrown into the mix. What's funny is that their involvement makes the outcome no more secure. Best laid plans and such. Chapter 31. Weiss and Hickman pull a little misdirection. They mention the gods of magic by name. However, it is in the context of the moons, as they take us back to follow Taz following Destina. He catches her as she arrives at the city of Palanthas's gates. A watchman greets her and escorts her through the city. Taz considers asking for help, but remembers that the authorities don't care too much for Kenderkind. So he follows them to Destina's destination. Taz watches her, first through a window, and then curled up in an entryway across the street. He falls asleep during this recon. The owner of the house wakes him up, and he rushes back to Destina's place. She is sitting at a table and memorizing the poem like a spell. She looks up at the window. Taz tries to hide and is accosted by one of the city guard for peeping. He escapes through desperate measures, parenthetically cutting off his topknot. He figures this is karma, or the gods, punishing him for breaking his oath of not telling about the time-traveling device. Freed, he continues to follow Destina. She leads him to Ungar's shop, where he spies through the window again. He sees Destina walking through the shop when the black robe comes in from the back room. Destina, expecting Ungar, says as much. The black robe says that Ungar is otherwise disposed and asks how she can help Destina. Destina asks for a charm similar to the Ring of Friendship. All they have to offer is a charm of camaraderie. She then guesses Destina's identity and lies that Ungar told her to cater to her every wish before mentioning the Grey Gem and Time Device. Destina tries to run, but another black robe mage comes out and they trap her. One goes to get Dalimar, and the other tries to grab the Grey Gem. It flashes and frees her from the binding spell. She flees. Taz, of course, follows. They end up at the library. She asks for Karen. Taz tries to get into the library, but when he is turned away, he sneaks into a window. From his hiding spot, he hears monks talking about how Destina asked for Karen and where they might find him. When one of the monks goes to fetch Karen, Taz sneaks behind and follows. Chapter 32 The monks fetch Karen to tell him that he has a visitor. They interrupt him while he is scribing history witnessed while using the device to go back to watch the battle between Huma and Takesis at the High Clarice Tower. Initially annoyed, he warms up to the idea when he hears it is Destina. That warmth soon cools when he actually meets her. He sees something is off with her. She won't look him directly in the eyes and looks haunted herself, as if in trouble. She tries to distract him, clumsily slips something into his pocket, and then suddenly turns on the quote-unquote charm. He quickly realizes her intention, but plays along while he stalls to keep her away from the device. He directs her to the creation charter for the knighthood with handwritten notes from Huma. She declines and leads him towards an off-limits part of the library. He finally calls her on her BS. She assaults him and knocks him unconscious. He wakes up and rushes back to stop her from getting the device. He arrives to find the doors opened and her near the case with the device. He tries to stop her. She seems to consider, and then all hell breaks loose. Dalimar shows up, Bertram tries to stop him, and Taz uses all of this distraction as an opportunity to run into the chamber. That breaks Karen's spell over Destina, and she smashes the glass with her fist to grab the device. She turns into Mary, 
Taz sees her. Kieran thinks that he suffered a debilitating concussion because he saw the same thing, in spite of the fact, however, that Taz saw Destina and then Mary. He questions none of it. She gives him the device to start the spell and protect it from, quote-unquote, bad people. He declines when she asks him to take her to the High Clarice Tower. Instead, he wants to go back in time for her to visit his friends. With little time to negotiate, she simply lets him cast the spell. As he finishes, she grabs hold of him. Karen makes a last-ditch effort to stop him. That effort fails, and the three of them get swept into Time's River. And now my reaction. Chapter 30 surprised me. Initially, I thought they might just give us the nostalgic reunion and let Dalimar go hunting from there. I never expected the meeting with the gods of magic as part of that hunting trip. That came as a bit of a pleasant surprise. Sure, in retrospect, it now feels too much like Deus Ex Machina, but I'm willing to overlook that because the scene was so cool. I don't like all of the gods of Kryn. Rorks, for example, rubs me the wrong way. But I like how magic is portrayed in Dragonlance. With the white, red, and black robes, it kind of gives it a Jedi feel. So, meeting the three gods of magic this way left me wanting more. Being lesser gods, perhaps they haven't cultivated their personalities in the same way as Paladin and Tekesis. Or, maybe they realized that Dalimar only summoned them for business. So they just brought their business personas to meet him. In either case, they left me wanting more. They usually write so much history in these books. Give me more. Tell me the stories of the gods of magic. I know at least one of them took part in the creation of the Grey Gem. Well, Rourke's made the Grey Gem for the goddess of neutral magic. Give us the story behind all of that. I mean, we have all of the mortal origin stories of the Grey Gem, but show us the gods' version of the story. The real version of the story. Heck, we don't even get the actual meeting between Lunatari and Rourke's. Instead, we get the quick, quick version of the retelling of what we already know. Why not take this opportunity to give us some drama between the gods? Oh well. Just the frustrating status quo of this book. Chapter 31 reads exactly like the setup for the Comedy of Errors that I predicted in the last episode. A seemingly benign quote-unquote chase scene between Taz and Destina through the streets of Palanthas, complete with Taz getting himself out of a couple of sticky situations and losing his top knot after all. Destina nearly catches him snooping twice. Perhaps she keeps quiet so as to not scare him off because she knows that she needs his help either getting to the past or once there or both. After all, in the slowest heel turn ever, she shows herself to be more and more manipulative. So we end up with Destina, Taz, and the Grey Gem in the most revered historical building in all of Kryn. It's only a matter of time until that all explodes into a ridiculous state of affairs. Already, during Chapter 2, Destine nearly gains access to a restricted area of the library with the help of the Grey Gem. Remember what I said about her becoming more and more manipulative? Well, that was on full display in this chapter. Even so, after reading this chapter, I realize more and more that they probably intend to blame this all on the Grey Gem. This time, faced with a more experienced and skeptical Mark than Taz, she fumbles through the process so much that he can't help but notice her intent. And, even as far gone as she is, there's a brief moment where she reconsiders. It all gets ruined by Taz in the end, of course, as I easily predicted last episode. So, while I applaud their decision to follow the story through, I feel like they're going to take the easy way out with the Grey Gem. So, remember back when I said how cool I thought writing for the Grey Gem would be, and how I was jealous? Yeah, I don't think that anymore. 
because you have jaded old grumps like me now criticizing you for using it as a crutch in one of the most crucial stories in your book. Again, I still have faith that over the life of the series, they will pull it off. But more and more, that faith is being tested. Okay, one more bit of grumpiness, and then I promise to try to end this on a positive note. It's been a week, and we only have a few episodes left for this one, so I don't want to leave a sour taste. Okay, here goes. I got my comedy of errors, sort of. They jammed it in at the end of chapter 32. After setting it up for a couple of chapters, all we get is a page or two of resolution. Like everything else in this book, the pacing is just so odd. All of the inconsistency makes it difficult to get into and actually enjoy the story. But I continue to try. And to be fair, I found things about the book to enjoy. As you know, because I am a frustrated author in a previous life, and a less frustrated blogger and podcast in this one, parenthetically, age mellows you and tempers expectation. I try to find joy and entertainment in most creative pursuits. Besides, who wants to go through life grumpy and miserable about stuff? Especially about stuff that you enjoy, or you're supposed to enjoy. Certainly not me. So, as you will see in my wrap in about a week, schedule willing, parenthetically, the overall tone will be positive, but I just can't overlook the glaring inconsistencies. The book just never fell into the comfortable and comforting patterns of the older books. Again, no, I don't expect the same old, same old. If you follow the page at all over the last 10 years or so, you should know by now that nostalgia holds little sway over me. But, and this will sound inconsistent in and of itself, these novels have a certain feel and cadence, and this one lacks that. So, where's the positive, Sean? Well, I hit it in a way at the beginning of that last paragraph. In spite of all the flaws, I'm still happy that my wife got it for me for Christmas. In spite of the fact that I started with such high hopes and that I ultimately ended up disappointed, I can still find the good in this book. While I doubt I will ever read this one again, it deserves its place in the world of Dragonlance. Besides, Mom always used to say they can all be gold. So I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that in spite of missing a week, I put together a schedule that should get me finished by the end of this week so that I can start Ready Player One next week and have that one done by August so that I can do the next book in this series as the plan has been since I worked it out a couple weeks ago. On Tuesday, I'm going to do chapter 33 and 34 on Friday because Liam Aiden and I are going to go see Hari Kondabalu in concert. So Friday, I'm going to do chapter 35 and 36. And then on Sunday, I'm going to do chapter 37 and the wrap-up. That will finish this one right about on schedule, actually a day behind. But considering that we lost a week, that's not too bad. You can find us, if you haven't already, at www.twoguysgaming.net. I know I'm pushing the two generations gaming again, even though the kids really don't do much. Maybe they will at some point. I haven't actually changed the URL because, at this point, it is what it is. On the website, we have articles, a link to our socials, including our YouTube, which, which has exactly one Mario and March video. Mario and March didn't work out as well as I had hoped this year, but maybe we can pick it up for next year. And it also has videos of me playing through the daily RPG calendar, the Void Spark Chronicles. Earlier, I just recorded a couple pages of that, trying to get caught back up and back on schedule with that one. Thanks, as always, for listening. 
I will see you again on Tuesday with chapter 33 and 34. Talk to you then. Bye, guys.